I'm really excited to be here today with Jade, who uh, I found on Instagram through her artwork, and, and she puts together some really amazing things through origami, and I'm super excited to learn kind of about her path on, on how she got to be an artist and, and what she sees for her future and, and, and where she wants to take this. So how are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, artist. Yes. How did you get to be an artist? And when did this kind of love for origami start? Um, you know, I've always liked creating when I was little. Um, origami came when I was in fourth grade, so... How old are you around then? About eight or nine. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was in school in class and I folded a piece of paper and I made something really beautiful and I couldn't believe it. It was better than just like finger painting to me. You know? Sure. So sure. I like went home and I cut up a bunch of paper and just kept practicing. And then the older I was, I was able to go to the libraries by myself and I would rent out all the origami books and try to fold every single model. Okay. And it was just kind of like a very intensive hobby when I was younger. That's incredible. But um, now that I'm practicing professionally, I I cooked for about six years. Okay. And so did you take a break in the origami field? It was never anything serious. Okay. Yeah. So it's like I went through high school, I went through college for culinary, and then I invested a lot of time and effort into becoming a chef. Okay. And I loved it. It was, you know, really hard work. Yeah. Um, puts hair on your chest, I would say. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Makes me feel good. <laughs> but I, I achieved almost like all the bullet points on my list of goals with cooking. Okay. And I got the job that I always thought I wanted going into graduating from school. Okay. And I just wasn't fulfilled inside. Really? Yes. What, what was missing? You, I don't know how to explain it, but you just know it's not enough. Sure. Sure. Like, this is it. This, I'm 24 and this is what I achieved. This is what the rest of my life is going to be. Sure. That's literally how I felt. And, I gave it like three months and I ended up putting in my notice. Really? And I decided to pursue art full time. Good for you. It was hard and a lot of people kind of didn't really agree with my decision. When was this? How long ago was this? I was 24. Okay. I'm 28 now. So okay. Four years ago. Okay. Okay. And um, when people don't agree with you, you kind of, for a moment, second guess yourself and your decision yeah but no one really knows what you feel inside yeah and for me it was just like flashback to college i went to the u for a semester after high school and i was like oh this is gonna be so good for my future and then i'm like i'm dropping out i can't do this i'm yeah. miserable yeah like beyond belief it's so funny you say that so i i went to school in iowa Small school in Iowa for a couple of years. You're a Cedar high Rapids. High? What's that? Are you a no, 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 no. It was a small school. So it was at I, it was at Coe College. They're the Hawks, actually. Um, not far from Iowa City, <laughs> but 
Then I ended up coming back up here for a couple years, and I went to the U. I was enrolled at the U. I didn't really attend many classes at the U, and I think I was in the same boat that you were in, right? Um, I came back mainly because at that time, when I was in Iowa, I found myself every weekend going to Chicago or Minneapolis. So I found myself as like this big city kid and being in Cedar Rapids, Iowa wasn't for me. Yeah. So I came back here, I have family here and went to you and like I said, it, it didn't really work, work out. But what I found out was what I really enjoyed doing, right? And it wasn't anything at the U. I, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Like when I got out of high school, my mind was kind of set and I was like, okay, I want to be a teacher. And then things changed. Found out a lot of things about the, the teaching industry. And I just was kind of turned off about, by it. And so while I was at the U and I was out partying and going to raves, I, I ended up finding out what I loved. And what I loved was graphic design and web design, right? Mm -hmm. And at the time in 19... 1995, <laughs> 96, um, you know, getting your four-year degree, that's that was kind of the path, right? It was very much to be considered successful. You had to get your four-year degree. And so getting, there wasn't really a graphic design, web design, four-year degree at that time, but there was a two-year degree. And so I had a lot of real self-discovery and questions and am I really doing the right thing, right? And I think even my parents at the time both went to McAllister and graduated from McAllister. I think at the time they really questioned my decision as well to go to a two-year school because it wasn't their path. And again, society was saying it's kind of four years or bust type of a thing but I knew what I loved right and ever since I went right so I dropped out of the U and then went to this two-year school and I tell everyone it wasn't school for me anymore like I loved it it was incredible every day I had class I look forward to it right and so to this day like when I talk to people especially kids in high school even some in college right now it's so important for me to like help them find that spark in their life because it did wonders for me. Now, like you're saying, right? So I got my degree in design and it's been great and I've been doing it for 20 years, but I could probably say that I've fallen out of love with that, right? It's been a long time, it's been the grind and it pays the bills right now. Yeah. Um, I think I, I find sparks when I'm doing stuff that's for things um, that like I'm starting. Like if I'm starting a, a business like this clothing line, mm -hmm. right? I can use my graphic design stuff and I get really inspired and excited. And that's where I still find the love for it. When I'm doing work for clients and being told what to do sometimes, that's when it's like, oh, this isn't for me anymore, right? And so it's funny because through a huge roundabout way, I got into coaching, which is has been kind of like teaching, right? Because you're, you're a mentor to these kids. And that's given me purpose in life again, 
right? That's really given me a meaning mm -hmm. for what I'm doing. And I, I think to go back to what you're saying, yeah. right? I think for you in art and you leaving culinary, it's the same thing, right? And so I would, I do 100% say, go on, go all in on what drives you. It definitely takes a lot of courage to do what you've done and to do what I've done. It takes a lot of courage to do what everyone else isn't going to. Mm -hmm. And that's like the first thing is you have to ask yourself, do I believe in myself enough to do this? And there's been a lot of times in my life where I didn't believe in myself or yeah. no one believed in me. But I was, but when it came to it, when you wake up every morning and you just, you're unhappy with what you're doing. Like no one else is going to make the decision to make you happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, it was interesting. I didn't really have a plan. I feel like anytime you have a plan, something else happens anyway. That's life. <laughs> but um, That's I life. ended up just hosting at a uptown restaurant and bussing tables and running food and sure. just to try to get some experience for serving. Sure. And um, I was fortunate enough to uh, land a job serving at the W downtown. Nice. So that is a whole different rodeo in itself. Yeah. You know. How do you like it? It's great. It's so challenging. Yeah. Um, in, a, in like the other kind of spectrum than cooking, you have to kind of put out fires and manage. Like you have to put a game face on and make everyone happy sure your boss the cooks your guests that's challenging yeah that's super challenging yeah like customer service alone is tricky right just with the customer the guest side of things but then when really the guest is wrong mm -hmm. <laughs> but your boss wants to make it right it's a fine balance of, of, of that, right? I would have to say I'm very lucky with where I work because management always has our staff's back. That's great. Yes. That's so incredible. We never have to feel like we're not like taken care of. That's cool. Because it can just be like soul sucking. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Totally. And I... You know, it's with anything that you're kind of like overworked in. It's like the saying everything in moderation. You know, I have this really bad habit of procrastinating sometimes. So right now I have a show in like a few weeks. Okay. And I'm like, oh, you know, I probably should have done a few more things, but uh, like prior to the event. But um, right now I'm just kind of in a very interesting spot because I never thought I would ever like two months ago I was like so gung-ho about two of my concepts which yeah. is one my sole proprietorship as an independent artist yeah and the second one is the art collective the one that's like a nonprofit. okay so and I will go more into depth with that but I, I'm really fascinated by this because I think we're literally in the same boat right now mm -hmm. because I'm starting a for-profit like a girl worldwide a brand and I'm doing a nonprofit as well mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. Not many people do that. 
No. Only the kind of silly people go out and decide to start a couple of things simultaneously. Well, part of me is like, I live in like a 300 square foot apartment. Right. And I'm like, holy crap, I live in a shoebox and I'm only like doing two things. But part of me is like, there's nothing else I would be doing. Yeah. Um, but the nonprofit is ideally because I, as an artist, I'm looking for showcases to apply to to exhibit, you know, whether it's like little things in Loring Park or at the US Bank Stadium or at neighborhoods of Minneapolis. Sure. And there's, you know, always a booth fee for every artist to pay. Yeah. Which is, you know, I absolutely understand. That's just how it works. But at the end of the day, it's like I paid X amount and let's say they placed me in the corner. This has never happened to me. Like, let's say they placed me in a far corner and um, it's made the foot traffic unable to like the potential for foot traffic for me is less. Yes. Right. And, right. um, I feel like any artist that has experienced that, you know, it sucks. And or, they all have. Yeah. Right. They all have. And, or like having weather that's awful. And then that amount that you paid to exhibit, like you still have to exhibit, but yeah. no one's out. Yeah. So what my collective is doing is raising local awareness for artists okay and i am getting local funding through businesses so they sponsor an artist or they donate x amount of money sure. so that we can pay a booth fee okay and what i'm doing is i'm launching the first art show at keg and case in st paul so congratulations I, thank it's you. yours yeah that's incredible well it's also made possible by all the artists that are willing to believe in my concept and participate and everyone that's donated a dollar to a few hundred dollars. Sure, sure. And I am so blessed and fortunate to have full funding for this first show. Congratulations. For everyone. I mean, that's a big, big deal. Yeah. That uh, People don't understand how big of a deal that is. I mean, I, I think about it. I come to the Uptown Art Fair. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're at Hennepin in, in Lake or just down this stretch here right you're the prime real estate yeah i always wonder being an entrepreneur i'm like how much is this spot compared to that spot that you were talking about exactly. <laughs> and can i tell you that keg and chaos is like a very like hot spot right now absolutely it is and i just remember thinking to myself about eight months ago that there has to be a better way for artists to to have a chance to have yes. an opportunity and I the idea of like starting a collective happened but as the months rolled by I just felt more and more certain in that concept yeah and then once I saw Keg and Chaos had all this press I was like that's it that's what I'm gonna do yeah you yeah. jumped on the hot thing I did and that's what you do I mean that's like in business yeah that's what you do right I mean even successful products are because there's something lacking in the market mm -hmm. right so they jump on something at a timely manner so i mean that was hugely smart by you thank you yeah well, like the idea is also to bring minneapolis artists to st paul thank hopefully, you <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we can uh, like uh create some kind of great networking from there and then i hope that there's growth you know yeah if this collective lasts great if it doesn't then i'm happy to have had one show so here's here's the thing that I would tell you is you know just I guess from my experience and and I have to remind myself of this all the time right 
if you believe in it a hundred percent you also have to have a tremendous amount of patience for it to really get going right so a keg and case that's a huge success okay so how do you take it up a level from there that would be the next thing even if you have to take a few steps down but your collective is still doing what you're intending it to do that's fine right because the more you do the more the words gonna get out and then the more support you're gonna get I remember uh, I had a buddy of mine and we started in st. Paul the first ever free outdoor concert series this was 15 years ago uh-huh. and it was all local bands okay hundred percent free I mean we lost money on it the first few years right and I remember year one being it was in Mears Park. I don't know if you've ever been down there, but um, it's, a, it's a smaller park. I remember year one, not many people showed up. You know, we might have gotten 50, 100 people at the most. Year two, we got a little more. By year seven, and I know that sounds like a long time, but by year seven, the whole park was packed. Packed. People in lawn chairs. People standing, body to body. I mean, it was it was incredible. But I can look at that experience and say, we could have given up. We could have looked at that crowd after year one and said only 50 people showed up. Like, we put so much time and effort and energy into all of this, mm-hmm. and 50 people showed up. We didn't make, we lost money. But then to look at year seven, and to see that growth, uh-huh. right? Anybody starting out, and, and again, I have to remind myself of this with what I'm doing. It's like, I, I just keep the course, and if you love it, then it's not like bearing on you either, right? It, it shouldn't be hugely stressful if it's something that you love and something that you believe in. So let it play itself out. Right? I, I mean that. Like, don't, don't base any huge decisions on keg and case. Like, it, it could be a huge success, right? That's what I'm hoping for. I think the only thing that's making me feel, like I said, I feel like I'm in a position where I've never felt with my art. So I've always been passionate about it. I've always been fortunate to only have good things happen. Like, not a lot of people can say that. And I, about a month and a half ago, I had a few storage units underneath my apartment. You had a? A few storage units where I store like my Oh, okay. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long story short, I just found out that my apartment had cut the locks on one of them and threw out a lot of my artwork. Oh my God. So, yeah, I'm like kind of like recovering from a devastating loss. And I'm just you know, heartbroken, and they aren't going to cover any of the expenses, which... I'm so sorry. Super sucks. Yeah. You know? But, again, I'm kind of the person where, you know, I talk to them, I send them invoices, and there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I have X amount of time before my show. The show must go on, and I'm done dwelling on that negative energy. Good for you. And I need to, I need to like 
pull myself up by my bootstraps, literally. So that's just kind of like where I am. That's, you know, for a few days, the last two weeks, I'm like, am I, like, am I meant to continue making art? Yes, and, you are. 100% you are. And it's very interesting. I'm kind of like in a, I cut, I catch myself like in a downward spiral the last few weeks. Um, with me getting into art professionally, it's because when you're in the industry, you like to party. You work really hard, you play hard, that sure. kind of thing. You go out for a beer or two after work, and then it turns into like five, and then it grows. So the whole reason why I got into origami professionally was because it kept me at home and helped me kind of like heal yeah. and just kind of put me back on the right track to kind of moderate my playtime, I would Sure, say. sure. And now I'm like seeking for origami to heal me and to kind of give me that inspiration again. So to help me kind of cope with this anguish that I feel inside, with this like awful thing that happens, I I literally just put Netflix on and I'm like sitting in my chair and I'm like folding and creating. And origami itself takes time. Absolutely. So right now I'm like folding to like my thumb is bruised, I swear. So I think in the next day or two, I should start to put things together. And yeah. once I see that creation, I'm, I'm hoping that it gives me that fuel to feel like, all right, you know, I made it over this one bad thing. One bad thing in four years of creating, anyone can handle it, right? For sure. For sure. And, and okay, so let me tell you this story. We, I, 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 my wife and I opened a, a kid's clothing store, uh -huh. right? And we had no experience in retail. And we opened it literally probably about nine months before the recession hit. Okay. We we're a high-end kids clothing store. No one is going to buy high-end kids clothing in the middle of a recession when you got to put food on the table, you got to pay your rent, you got to, you know, pay your mortgage, all the things to stay afloat you're not going to buy high-end kids clothes that experience I lost a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a hundred and fifty grand okay lost it completely in the middle of that though I started this marketing agency mm -hmm. and so I was on Craigslist at 3 a.m. because here I am a graphic designer I'm looking for jobs right I'm stressed out because of this business failing mm -hmm. and I'm on Craigslist 3 a.m. and uh, this post comes up and it says hey you know I'm looking to start an agency I need a creative director or designer I'm a salesperson let's meet for coffee why the hell not Responded right away, 3 a.m. And so he was floored, but he was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And he told me that. And clearly I was the first one to get back to him. Next day we met for coffee and we ended up starting this business from scratch out of his one bedroom apartment. While I'm running a store that's completely failing, I'm starting this, okay? And we grew that thing. It's still going today. I'm not a part of it anymore. But 
we went from zero to when I left, it was probably at about a million dollars. And now it's like multi-million dollar companies, 70 plus employees, whatever. That's awesome. Yeah, it's incredible, right? But through the worst part of my life, I had two kids who were young at the time. You know, my, as a father, my focus was like, how do I support them? And here I'm losing money hand over fist over this business, yeah. worrying about my own house, worrying about supporting a family, to, you know, really working my tail off and then developing this other business. And so when you talk about, you know, what happened to you, what, what I would say is I've, I've learned to like embrace failure. I've learned to like celebrate failure, right? Because I've seen it in so many levels and in aspects of my own life where something didn't work out. Something didn't work out how I had intended it to work out, right? But I gained so much experience and knowledge from that one experience and I carried it over to that next phase of my life for things to really work out. Mm -hmm. I remember when I first got out of graphic design school, a buddy of mine wanted me to start a magazine with him. And it was this, you know, like probably a four inch by five inch magazine. People could put it in their pockets. It was to highlight all the bars and nightclubs and restaurants and stuff going on in the cities. And it was free. And so we had to get advertising dollars to get it going. I'm like, sure, why not? I'm young. This sounds like fun. Right. So we started that and we got that up and it, it was going really well. And you know, I ended up leaving that. But from that experience, I had to learn how to do photo shoots because we would go into bars and restaurants and develop the ad for them. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go into these places, look like I knew what I was doing when I was just starting out and kind of learning on the fly, right? Thanks for digital photography. Yeah. If I was shooting film, <laughs> I would have been like, Whoo! that wouldn't have <laughs> worked out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm learning this on the fly and that was right before the store, okay? So now I'm a photographer, okay? I'm no longer with the magazine. We opened this store. Part of the way that we kept the store going was I opened, we had a photo studio for families in the back of this store. So people could come in, buy clothes. They could also book a family photo session mm-hmm. because now I have photo experience, yeah. right? And so I took my experience and I translated it over here. And I've found that all along the way to where I'm even at today, right? I'm able to take those experiences. So for like you, yeah, it's, it sucks, right? I, I, I get it. I, I do. Um, but I think it's going to be a great story when you make it and you can say in your part of your story, yeah. like I was in a 300 square foot apartment my stupid landlord didn't, you know, they didn't lock the stuff. Gone, like, I was back to ground zero. But that built you, that made you stronger. And so... You know, I'm definitely working on that making myself stronger part. I'm just trying to think about the points in the last four years that have really solidified that this is this is what like my life is going to be built around 
So it's one, I felt healed from when I first started practicing. And I kid you not, every year that goes by, I'm like, all right, it's two months till the new year. Next year, I'm gonna take a break. Next year, I'm gonna stop doing art. And every time I think that, something big happens. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm in business for another year. Yeah. And something more happens and more happens. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. But Do you love it? Great. Yes, it's a beautiful you enjoy thing. It? it makes me feel so fulfilled and makes me feel um, so empowered that everyone else believes in me. I mean, my family does, but you know how family can be sometimes. How can they be? Um, they can be skeptical <laughs> about sure. your decision making. Okay, so let's uh, let's rewind. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know many parents, families that really get a hundred percent behind at a young age, mm -hmm. right? Middle school, high school. Yeah. That get behind their kid being an artist. I don't. And maybe that's just kind of the world that I, I live in right now where a lot of the families that I work with and the kids that I work with they want their kids to be doctors and lawyers and engineers. They don't know what it takes to get into that. They don't know even if their kid loves that, mm -hmm. but that's the path that they've determined for their kids. Mm -hmm. And so when their kid says, hey, I want to be an artist or I want to go to culinary school. Yeah. I mean, culinary school is the same thing, right, for a lot of kids. And... Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, were, were your parents, was your family 100% oh, behind you, like when you went into culinary school? You know, I, at that point, when I decided to go into culinary school, I dropped out of the University of Minnesota. And I was working for like a few months. And I think my family in general is happy to hear I was going back to school. Sure. Parents didn't agree with culinary school, but a little background about me is that I'm not exactly a rule follower. I like to learn the hard way because I will not learn if I don't experience it. I think that's true with everyone, mm -hmm. right? It and really is. It's like, I, I think just because I never always 100% listened to my parents, they just over time had learned to allow me to grow into my own self as an individual. That's fair. So I've been fortunate. Yeah. And then when I decided to quit doing pastry and pursue art, they were very much like, are you sure? Like, you can always go back and do pastry if art doesn't work out, right? They're sure. just like, I think in general, parents are concerned about your well-being. Absolutely. They have Absolutely. kind of foresight and they're just worried, worried, worried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they need, well, what I need is for them to channel that wor like that worried energy into like positive supportive energy sure. and fortunately i've been able to get that from friends and family here yeah all of my family is in la and okay i chose to stay in minnesota because i need to be reminded that i believe in myself and making it here good for you it's not easy it, not at all it's not easy being alone but no every day that goes by it's like um i feel like i made the right decision yeah and you know, there's FaceTime. <laughs> I was gonna say, I mean, we're more connected now than, than ever, yeah. right? So you can easily connect with family and friends that you have in LA or wherever. It's, it, it blows me away, right? There's so even, even tonight, I was connected with this young woman in Tokyo. Wow. Yeah, and so 
she wants to get on a quick Skype tonight because we're going to do a podcast. But we just need to meet each other and kind of learn about, I need to learn about what she's doing and mm-hmm. she needs to learn about what I'm doing. So we're going to get on Skype tonight and meet each other and figure things out. But what? Right? Tokyo? Yeah. Hello? <laughs> so we're more connected than ever right now, which is, it's incredible. It's, it's great. Something funny is that um, I went, so I moved and lived in Alaska for about six months. Two years ago. Really? Two years in June. What part of Alaska? So it's in the bush. It's in okay. a little village called Igiagig. Okay. 68 people live there. 68? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we are so far in the wilderness that to get food and groceries, uh, people have to take a boat to a small plane, take the small plane and fly it two hours to Anchorage. To load it up at the airport. Wait, boat to plane two hours? Yep. For food? Yes. Wow. So I lived in the middle of nowhere and it was this very random opportunity that had put itself in my lap where a colleague from Minneapolis had run like the culinary program at this high-end fishing lodge in Alaska for gotcha. about seven years. And he's like, I just need a pastry chef for the season. Um, how would you feel? And I'm like, you know, I don't know, Alaska. <laughs> I just moved into this like beautiful apartment downtown. I'm like living my life. Art's great, everything's great, but I also find myself just kind of like getting into trouble, like just going out a lot. Sure. And even though I'm productive, it's like there was that emptiness of not being fulfilled. So I pondered about moving to Alaska to live in the bush for six months. And it was just six months? Yes. Right, okay. Just the fishing season. Okay, okay. And I said no. And then the chef goes, I want you to really think about it. Okay. And then after that, I said yes. And I signed the contract and I went. How was it? It's because I think that if I didn't go, I would have always wondered what if I could have made it. And I don't like to wonder. I love that. I mean, I truly, yeah. I love that because I, I hate regret. Mm-hmm. I hate people looking back and, and letting regret keep people down because people do that all the time. Yeah. Right. Oh my God, I should have done this. I wish I did this. What if this? I, people just got to keep moving forward try new things take a chance take a risk go to alaska in the bush for six months it's six months out of your life right and if you're able to do it do it well it's not luxurious no not at all no it's like 15 hour work days every day yeah for like five and a half months but what an experience you're worked to the bone but i definitely came out stronger yes and I'm really happy I did it. See? Yeah. Even I, though you worked your ass off. And I also came back going, okay, if I come back and I still continue art, then it's meant to be. If I come back and I'm not doing it, then origami is not meant to be. And I came back and I was like right back into business. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it's like a lot of things have happened in the course of the last however long of my life to kind of put me on this path. So, collective. Now, mm-hmm. let's get into your individual artist in your art because from what I've seen, it's incredible. Thank you. It's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a little bit before, but I love the fact that you're using 
different mediums as well, right? You're adding to your art, your origami. Um, you're you're putting it on canvas. You're you're creating even more art, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like individual pieces of, of origami. That's art in itself, mm -hmm. right? But you are really being very elaborate in terms of what you're creating, and I think it's 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 absolutely beautiful. So let's talk about that a bit. Okay. Um, well, most of my origami installations I make are commissioned. Okay. So that means that clients hire me to create an original piece for their space. Sure. Whether it's for commercial or residential. Sure. Um, I, I'm very fortunate with a few big projects I've gotten and I just booked my first five-figure commission in the last few months here. Congratulations. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, it's incredible. It's also very scary. <laughs> it's like, you know... That's amazing. After making however many pieces, you're always... It doesn't matter. Every time I present the finished piece to my client, I'm always nervous. Sure. Because it's meant for them. Sure. I spend time with my client. I like to grab coffee with them once or twice, chat with them, because I need to create what kind of energy they have that's really cool that's incredible yeah it's it's very challenging and i think that's why i like it and, wow you know it's it's something that cannot be replaced that's something that cannot be bought in a store and that's why i feel like what i do is so original it is i haven't heard of that before no one else can like do it no one else can replicate it i mean i could teach you how to fold i could teach you how to paint and use a few cool stamps or whatever it is, spray paint maybe. Yeah. But without the soul of like creativity, without the soul of who you're intending to make the art piece for, right. it will never be what it needs to be. Okay, so that, that blows my mind, right? I mean, I think that's wonderful. I do. Thank you. And whoever you're creating this piece for, the fact that you're diving in deep emotionally about, really about that person and the energy from that person or company or whatever, mm -hmm. is pretty special. Well, yes. Like I, I, I haven't heard of that angle, and I'm not in the art community, right? And so maybe there are other people out there that are doing this with other mediums or even origami. But to me, like that whole personal level side of things, that's special. Well, it's always nice to see personal growth in each art piece you have. That's true too. And I feel like that's the only way that people will still continue to enjoy your work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people love consistency, but to continue to build a credible rapport as a professional artist, you need to, you know, things are growing, things are getting easier, things are getting more elaborate. Like. Like at the digital age now, we can make anything. We can take photos ourselves and put filters on it. Yeah. You know, what is something that we can create from our own hands and our own mind that none of that can do for us? Yeah. I. That's such a great point. So it's like... That's such a great point. Oh my gosh, it's like really difficult and it's kind of like... Like I feel like my brain scrambled eggs after like doing a few um, concepts sometimes. Sure. But it's really cool to take a step back once everything's up. Walk me through the process a bit. So you meet with the client, mm -hmm. okay, and then walk me through that process to the final piece. 
So I meet with the client, and this is for, let's say, the larger installations I do. Sure. But I do anything, to be honest. And I ask them um, what kind of a piece do they have in mind, uh, what room is it going on, what does the wall look like. Either they'll have me go to their home okay. or ask for photos of the entire space, sure. the living room, the bedroom, because I believe in having like a cohesive component. Yeah. And if I'm designing for them, it needs to be the statement piece. So I have to make sure that everything's appropriately like placed in the room, if that makes sense. I can't design like a giant yellow origami installation and they have like a few other yellow things already. You know, that's too much like competition. Sure. Um, but I ask them generally uh, what colors they want, okay. an idea of what vision they have, what kind of feel they have for the space if they want something like really loud and creative and abstract, if they want something a little bit more like floral. So floral just happens to be like what a lot of my clients like and that's fine but it's yeah. the idea of always doing floral things but always making it different. The last thing I want is for people to look at my work and say it looks like the last one. It looks like the last one. Yeah. And um, so after that, I ask them what their budget is okay. because they will always ask me, you know, so how do you do this? Yeah. So I design um, with people's budgets because I believe art is meant to be enjoyed without that stress. Sure. And I'm just flattered anyone would pay any money for any of my work. I understand what it's like to look at an art piece and go, I wish I could buy that. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's not always profitable, but that's not what, that's not why I create. It's accessible. You're making it accessible. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the principle of being able to share what I love with someone. Yeah. And the fact that they want it in their space, in their life. Right. Right. Pardon me. Literally. It is. Um, so that happens, like we talk about the money aspect and I usually ask for a 50% deposit. Sure. And then I ask for a timeline. Yep. I go home, I pick out a bunch of paper, I design a few concepts, I meet with them. Okay. Do you sketch anything out at, at any point in this or not really? A little bit, yeah. A little, okay. So it depends on how they're feeling, if they want to be surprised. Oh. I've had the luxury of having creative freedom in all of my pieces. Okay, so let me just tell you that is such a nice thing to have. Yeah. Coming from the graphic design industry where I work with many companies and clients, creative freedom is not always there. And <laughs> for you to be able to have creative freedom is incredible. Yeah. Right? That is. It's very amazing. It's also very scary because <laughs> they might not like what you make. Sure. But, um... You have to trust yourself, though. I mean, you're an incredible artist. Yeah. And, and, and they've contacted you for a reason, right? You know, I'm... At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if my art piece gets a thousand likes on Instagram. All the, the only person I care about liking it is my client. See, and that's important. Yep. That is so, so important, especially because you're making it such an individual piece to your client. Mm -hmm. But that's all that should... I mean, let's be real. Like, that's all that should matter, period. Like, let's get away from art, right? You talk about Instagram, okay, we shouldn't have to worry about how many likes a video or a photo is getting of ourself. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
like they should if they don't like it shut the hell up and move on and like the ones that do like it and love it for who you are or who any, anybody is fantastic yeah great so it's the same thing it is <laughs> but except when someone's paying you money you can't at least i as an artist don't believe in responding well this is my vision and this is what you get because there are artists that do that there are mm-hmm yeah and i just i can't justify that sure that's you know, i like that you have to see both sides i i, I like that so much because you're only creating from one side if you can't create on both sides then what are you really doing yeah what kind of artist are you true you know yeah, for, for sure um, but yeah, so that's what I do and it's amazing and it's challenging and it challenges me mentally and emotionally and creatively, but gosh, I can tell you like, it's helped me grow. Like I've, I look at myself about five years ago and I'm a completely different person. See, and that's so important. And I mean, I think that's what I want to get back to where I was trying to get to with what happened to your storage space, mm -hmm. right? And what's gonna go on with Keg and Case, right? You, there's some hesitation about, okay, what happens with Keg and Case and what happens after? I love the fact that you can look back on the last five years and see how much growth you've had. So give yourself another five years, right? With the collective thing and your own art, give yourself that time because you're gonna look back and say, Oh, remember when I had that tough time. It's just when you have like heartache, it's really hard to like focus on anything else. I hear you. That's why you need no, the I right people around you. 100%. For sure. So that's, that's so important. You have to have that right support. Right? Because that's what's going to carry you through. Well, it's like the fact that you're even asking me to do this podcast. It's like, oh my gosh, like right now I feel like I suck, but like you want to interview me and like this makes me feel so good. This is like the highlight of my day. Oh, stop. Seriously. <laughs> Other than when I do my three mile run in a little bit, but it's like, I don't know. It makes me feel good. I can't, well, yeah. You're doing great things. I mean, I, I, I learning more about this, I'm super inspired by your work because I don't know the artist world very much and so to hear your point of view on your art it's it's super inspiring well it's it's like deeper than that though it's like you know growing up as a young Asian female with the traditional family mm -hmm. you you are taught to be submissive okay and conform to what people tell you and I've never had the courage to like stand up for myself or do what I believe in and that like in my teenage years I grew up as a rebel and now it's like you know now that I'm a young adult and I kind of like went through that little phase yeah it's like I feel like the only thing I know how to do and know what to do is like is to stand up for what I believe in and and take those like chances that no one else will like I'm the first person in my whole family to start a business let alone a second one as a female yes I'm like like everyone wants to know why I won't move to LA it's better than Minnesota there's way more like blah 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 and Harding is like LA is pretty rad except you know it's like I I I don't need to move there to feel happy right you know, sure. it's kind of like just 
just pushing through. So, so many of the women that I work with mm -hmm. are are Asian, mm -hmm. and I, I see what you're saying yeah. all the time, yeah. all the time. And so uh, I work with a number of them from a soccer standpoint, and still to this day, they have family members, friends, telling them they're not supposed to play soccer. You're wasting your time. Why are you doing that? You're no good. Yeah. You suck. My gosh. Like literally, to this day, they get that. And so they need to see people like you for inspiration and hope that it can be done, right? When the whole world is telling them no, 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 and they love what they're, they're doing, but they're still being told no, they need your story to say, hey, you know what? I love doing this. I want to go down this path. It doesn't matter what I'm supposed to do. Uh -huh doesn't matter what you're saying like this is my heart and I tell them all the time I'm like look if you become an artist and you're hugely successful if you become a chef a car mechanic whatever whatever that's not a doctor lawyer engineer mm -hmm. right and you become successful your parents are gonna hate you because you're this or that at the end of the day, it's like you were saying before, I think all parents want their kids to be successful. And I think the issue is, is with many of these families, like there's a perception of what success is. And it's not these, just these families. I mean, in society right now, there's a perception of what success is. There is, yeah. And, and a lot of the times, most of the time, success equals money. And to me, that's not the right thing. Right, success to me equals happiness and what you love to do. And I mean, I, to go back to your artwork, the thoughtfulness of what you do, the energy that you get from your clients, that says a lot. It really does. And so, you know, part of the other thing I was working with these young women is who play soccer. If you look at the collegiate level, there's very few young Asian women playing soccer. V very few, okay? At the national level, at the professional level, there's even less, right? There might, I know on the U.S. national team, there's no Asian female players. So, as a young Asian woman, there's nobody you can look up to and in like, say, that's me, right? You have to be able to see yourself in that space to give you that kind of push to get there, right? But when you're seeing nobody that looks like you, nobody that has been through the same thing that you've been in life, it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough. So for you to come out on the other end, and you've come out on the other end, you're doing well, you are. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I think, and it seems, I mean, we're just meeting each other for the first time right now, but, for you to speak to some of these young women who are not just interested in art, but just about life yeah. and your experience of growing up in an Asian family as a female and the expectations that you had, right? And probably to this day still have that are put on you, right? Just to speak to that yeah. and where you are, it's very impactful.
Well, I think that I would get the same amount of inspiration from them as I would give to them as well. I, I agree. I, I agree so much. You know, people, people say to me a lot, they're like, wow, you're doing such a great thing. And like, you don't get it. Like, these kids have made more of an impact on my life than I am making on theirs, mm-hmm. right? I mean, for people or anyone to give you purpose again, that says a lot. You know, this kind of <laughs> makes me think about, this sounds silly, but this is like a real thought right now. <laughs> um, when you, so I'm like a huge animal lover, and when you see the bumper sticker, it says who rescued who, and it said paw print. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of like... the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. Exactly. It's like, oh my <laughs> gosh, of course. That, like, you're going to ponder a little bit, but that's like, that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works both ways. Absolutely. It does. It is. So no, I know you feel like you're kind of at a down point, or were over the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but you're doing really well. Yeah, I'm just a... Uh, I'm excited for the show at Keg and Case. So my big, I have an older brother and older sister. Okay. Probably your age, actually. My sister's 43, my brother's 41. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my parents have not been able to see an art show for me yet. Um, and my sister flew over last spring with her husband and surprised me at my first three-day weekend one. So I finally begged my brother, and he's flying over Mother's Day weekend to help me with the show. How does that feel? Incredible. Yeah. I bet. I bet. Because it's been a long road to yeah. kind of go, hey, like, my hobby's going to make a living for me. Yeah. And uh, here I am, and I'm really excited, and I'm- I hope to see you come. Yes. I would love to come. You should bring your boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Make sure the 17-year-old drives. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to come. Absolutely. No, that's... It's interesting that you bring that up because so many of the young women that I work with, their parents have never seen him play before. Right? Mm-hmm. Never. Not once. Yeah. And we've tried time after time and these girls can play they're so talented and they come from a different circumstance than like your typical American soccer player right they don't have access into the mainstream system Mm -hmm. they don't get the practice time in the field time that all these other kids that have access to it get yeah but these kids can play these young women are incredible but right they're parents haven't seen them play. I think part of it is because they don't feel like they should be playing. Mm-hmm. Now there's other there's other obstacles too, you know, many of them work yeah. a lot. Yeah. Two, three jobs and I get it, right? I do, 100%. But what it means to those women to have family come out, it's everything. Just once. I'm not saying the whole season. Mm-hmm once for them to get out there and see them play it would blow them away that's like the ultimate cheerleader right your family for sure yeah for sure 
that's uh, at the end of the day, of course, we want to feel su successful and please the audience that we're um, gearing the event or whatever game towards. But to be able to have like your loved ones like see you and be like, wow, like to see like to have your loved ones see you in a different element and like yeah. own it, that's like a different kind of like solid feeling for yourself. It is. Yeah. You know it. So this past this past weekend, Minnesota United had their you know home opener. They it was the first game in the new field, right? Big deal. And it, so I was recognized at halftime for like all the work that I've done in the community. And to me, it's never about me. Like never, ever, ever is it about me. So I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful for the opportunity That's that you know awesome. that I was honored. Yeah. And Minnesota United did just an amazing job of hosting. So hugely grateful. Yeah. Hugely. But again, it's like it's never ever gonna be about me. But right, my mom, my dad, even some of their their friends who have seen me grow up. I got a card from one of my mom's friends in the mail yesterday saying hey you know congratulations we're so proud of what you've done and accomplished and I mean, I'm, I'm still moving along here I don't feel like I've hit the top of the mountain yeah I know exactly what you mean. right but you know that felt that affirmation of things like you were talking about felt really really good uh -huh. right and it meant it means the world to me uh -huh. it does so you're right I mean even though all these other people are thankful and congratulatory right at the end of the day when your mom or your dad or your family member or people that are close to you are like hey great job that's at a whole nother level that's well, also yeah amazing to have that praise and that support from the people that have seen you from stage one and go through every level yes you know whether it's successful or soul-sucking and to make to make them proud of you is like it's always good it is yeah there's nothing wrong about it <laughs> it's like let's go get some shots right 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 all right well look i know we're, we're tight on time here so we, we we can wrap this up i'm sure we could keep on going and, and maybe might have to have an episode two we could do this after keg and case because i would love to hear after you've gone through putting on the event got through the event what's next your whole emotional feelings from basically between now and the end of the event and then what comes next i think we could easily do round two i'd be happy to do round two that'd be fantastic i would love to Let's see if i made it over this hump or yeah. not stop oh my god you're gonna have to carry me on a piggyback <laughs> it'll be great you're gonna have to lasso me off this mountain oh my gosh you're gonna be great it's oh. it's gonna go so so well it will i'm gonna have to text you for moral support throughout the week <laughs> i'm happy to help thank you i am i am well this has been wonderful kyle great well thank you thank you for taking the time to do it absolutely yeah. my pleasure